0: Hi everybody, we are here today for another talk and today I'm very excited because we are talking not only to a scientist but also someone that is an it's elite athlete. He's been running uh, for very long, he's been a world champion in sky running and he's been doing studies in, uh, in the glacier. So today I'm very proud to to talk with my friend uh, Pascal Glee. Hi Pascal, how are you doing?
1: Hi Kilian, thank you. I'm doing well, um here in the mountains. And I hope you're well too.
0: Yeah, doing good. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a strange year. It's uh, we has been living a, a strange period uh, with all the COVID, and but uh, it's been a good year for you too. Like you has been finishing your PhD. So I, I believe that that's something something huge.
1: Yeah, actually, I'm still working on finishing it. But uh, yeah, recently we published uh, an article. So. Yeah, I took uh, let's say took advantage of the situation to to work more on that for sure. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, and for people that they don't know you, they probably know you as an athlete because, as I mentioned, like you has been accomplishing some very big races. Like uh, you won the the Sky Running the Sky Running World Series. Uh, you've been in the podiums on all the like let's say twenty to marathon distance uh, on mountain races for for many years. But uh, not many people know about your background as a scientist. So can you tell us about uh, what are your studies and what are you doing the research on?
1: Sure. Yeah. So originally uh, I've been trained I uh, studied environmental engineering uh, in two different universities in Switzerland. And, but then I, I have always been interested in understanding better how the mountain environments and especially the glaciers uh, function how just the process in, in nature function. So I decided to, to do a PhD that was uh, almost, yeah, almost five years ago already now uh, at the University of Lausanne. And we study how the water flows below the glaciers. So all the water uh, from supraglacial melt, how it is uh, transported in channels and small voids uh, under the, underneath the glacier to the glacier outlet. Um, yeah that's what we have been doing most of the time in these years but then also during my phd i also contribute to teaching courses uh, and we do a lot of field work so we collect data on the glacier Uh, and but now because i'm in the end phase i'm mostly writing up results and yeah wrapping up the work
0: that's a lot i I think that's harder than training uh, for sure that it's it's more hours and, and probably more intense hours than than training for doing sky running. But um, uh, actually, when we talk about glaciers, I, I believe that many people it's thinking just, OK, yeah, they are beautiful, they are in the mountains, but they have no use. And I believe that that's different. I think the glaciers, they have, a, they are important. They are an important ecosystem. Can you tell us about, about that?
1: Yes, I mean, glaciers, they have so many functions because, let's say, first of all, maybe they're like a reservoir, so they're storing water for us. For example, I mean, during winter, they accumulate a lot of snow usually. And, and this snow and ice, so snow after one to two years, it transforms into ice. This is available then in summer when there's a long dry period, because in summer is it the period when it melts. And so it's constantly uh, storing water and releasing water. But then there's many other functions, of course, uh, it regulates the local climate. Um, then it has an impact a big impact on ecosystems alpine ecosystems but also subalpine like in the alpine streams and uh, and of course it's also a visual aspect Uh, for example when you go to the mountains and and they're only gray without glaciers it's a very different uh, scenario
0: yeah that's that's sure and it's been changing a lot like uh, over the years we've seen that the glaciers has been uh uh getting smaller and and that that affects also the practice like uh you are also an alpinist you are a, a skier and uh, have you seen like h- how it do uh, how it affects this this melting of the uh, of the glaciers when you go practicing an activity in the mountains
1: yeah i mean in the recent years you have probably also seen uh, uh, for example in the end of summer there's barely any snow left on the glaciers so one thing is that even easy alpine routes, uh, because the crevices are not covered well in snow anymore, they have become very difficult uh, because, yeah, the access even onto the glacier can be dangerous. It can be steeper. Then the passing the crevices can be difficult. Uh, on the other hand, there is more rockfall because there's less uh, permafrost. So the frozen rock holding together. Um, There is, well, many diverse effects, even in winter, I would say, because, uh, well, we have had recently in February, it was very warm again, like the past few Februarys I think, as well. Um, Yeah, I think that's some some major impact. Um, So the whole, yeah, whole mountaineering and ski mountaineering, I think many routes, they transform a lot.
0: Yes yeah, so we need to to change when we go probably activities that we were doing in August now we need to do in July or or even in June because the the glaciers and the morphology of the mountains are changing and as you mentioned like the permafrost it's a it has a big impact because like with these uh, landslides and rock falling like it's it's just making the mountains uh, more dangerous uh, somehow and uh, probably that's something that uh, when you study in the glaciers it's things that we can relate because um uh, many times when we are reading papers we we think that it's something that it it don't goes with us like it's something that it' it's for science, but it don't have an impact to our lives and I believe that uh, many of the research is important because uh, then uh, the findings uh they can have an impact on our lives on the life of the planet and even on the activity that we are doing out uh, out in the mountains so uh, you are very up to date about the the glacial research. So, what's uh, what's the state of that? Like, why is important the the glacial research, and what are you investigating you and your colleagues?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the impact is is very direct. And um, for example, during uh, our studies on the glaciers, so our field work, we we witnessed ourselves how like a big part of a subglacial channel it just broke down because what happened is usually the glacier is just melting at the surface, but now this channel melted out from the inside. And because the surface got so unstable, a big chunk of more than 50 meters, 50 meters in length and 10 meters in width, it just broke down. So we realized some of the melt is going uh, actually much faster than we, we expected in, in some, uh, in some locations, not everywhere. And in some periods, And what we measured in the field is, for example, this glacier. Well, we can see it also for other glaciers. It recedes by like 40 meters a year. And yeah, the state of research is now is that the most small to medium glaciers in the Alps, they they are going to be almost completely gone by around 2070. And even the bigger ones, they're going to be gone by around 2100. So that's what the modeling says, and, but also the measurements, they confirm it. For, for example, if a model was run 20 years ago uh, to predict how it is now, this is pretty accurate when we measure it now, or sometimes the retreat is even a bit faster. Um, yeah, and then uh, what you mentioned on a, on a global scale, I mean, obviously what these glaciers provide is drinking water, water for hydropower. And in Switzerland, especially, we rely a lot on hydropower like you in Norway and actually also the future energy strategy strategy of switzerland is relying heavily on hydropower but it needs to take into account that these glaciers are disappearing so there will still be rain water and melting water from snow but much less melting water from glaciers especially in summers and that's a big impact that is going to occupy us for for the future yeah
0: <laughs> yeah that's that sounds very fast like uh it's like hundred years uh, uh, to, to the glaciers to disappear that's that's our generation or the next generation it's something that uh, we are witnessing with our, our race and that, that that feels scary in a way and as you mentioned like it's it's uh, it's water it provides water and uh, I think like countries like India they rely a lot on on the Himalayan glaciers and, and as you mentioned like in Switzerland or, or here in Norway it's a lot of hydropower so also the energy, so we we see that glaciers, the impact that they have, is not only uh, in the in the areas where the glaciers are, but it goes beyond with uh, with um, uh, water and with uh, with power. And I believe that uh, also with the melting, it's accelerating uh, the the global warming with the albedo. Uh, probably it's uh, it's less um, less albedo surface, so it's it just uh, growing the 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 global warming and I, I think i i write some studies about like uh, the the glaciers that they are covered by by rocks so it's it's still a glacier that it's alive but it's it's just covered by by rocks so probably then the melting is also faster
1: yeah that's a very important thing you mentioned these feedbacks right uh, that's very important in climate science that we have some feedback loops that can go i uh, one way or the other Uh, Either you have a positive or a negative feedback and a positive feedback can reinforce the process so it can make climate change even stronger or a negative feedback can make it maybe slow it down a bit. So for example, as you mentioned, uh, the albedo, so it's the reflectivity of the surface, usually because a lot of ice surface melt, uh, we have less uh, bright surfaces that are white that reflect a lot of sunlight and that means that less uh, energy is reflected back to space, and it means that more uh, more energy stays in the Earth's surface, and so heats up the atmosphere even more. So this is one of the consequences of glacier recession and uh, ice sheet recession as well. But also even the snow cover, right? Like for example, on the northern hemisphere of the Earth, we have less and less uh, duration of snow cover in winter if you think of whole of siberia and whole of uh, northern europe and all and this has an effect uh, also a feedback then the other thing you mentioned is interesting the debris cover right because if a glacier is covered by a lot of uh, rocks insulating the glacier it can make the glacier recede more slowly because it's insulated but also due to the rocks the glacier's albedo is much lower so it's reflecting less. It looks like bare land and it can heat up the atmosphere more. And yeah, as my one one friend of mine who published this study about the state of uh, rock glaciers in the world, um, it's showing that, yeah, it's, it's going to increase heavily with climate change, most probably. And so maybe it leads to slightly slower glacier recession, but more yeah, more lower albedo, so more warming of the atmosphere, too.
0: Yeah, it's the picture is not nice. Like, uh, I, I don't think we have a, a, a nice panorama in front of us. But um, so with the research you do, like, probably if we start to take action, uh, we can probably reverse or, or slow down this process. But uh, what's, what's gone already? Like, probably one big part of these glaciers will be gone, no matter which action we take now.
1: Yeah, that's true what you say. I mean, the, yeah, it's true that the modeling, uh, the results are not very optimistic because, I mean, there's a, a big delay between uh, what we do now, the emissions we do now and betwe- and what happens to the uh, atmosphere temperature. So even if we stop emitting uh, anything now, uh, that the temperature will still go up of the Earth's surface by more than one degree, probably. And and then even more delayed is how the glaciers react to it, right? Because the glaciers are always a bit delayed uh, because they don't only, well, they don't only depend on temperature, but also on precipitation. And it takes a few years for them to react to a temperature change. So actually, I would say if we're very conservative, if we're really careful about uh, our climate emissions and we follow, let's say, the Paris Agreement or even better, then we will at least have some let's say by the end of this century we will have some smaller uh, parts of now still big glaciers like alleged glacier in the swiss alps or otherwise in the alps will still have be left so there will still be uh, some parts left but if we don't if we don't follow these uh, recommendations then there will be uh almost nothing left that's basically the yeah the scenario
0: so so we need to take action and, and probably we need to to start taking seriously because it's not that if we change action today, tomorrow we we will see a change in the in the ecosystems and in the glaciers. But it, it will take some time. So I think we need to to understand that that uh, our action today it will probably affect the next generation, on the good side or on the bad side. So going on that and and probably with all your your background, like what are the things that we can do as uh, first as athletes? Like you are an athlete, I'm an athlete, and and most of the people that is listening they they love to be outdoors and and we we have power i believe that uh, as individuals we we have some power to to change things and to influence so what would be your uh your tips or your your advices for for all of us
1: yeah it's good you say we have power because i think we have more power than we think we have uh although some people they feel a bit uh, almost yeah pessimist because they think they have no power but First of all, of course, we can change our own behavior and it's similar according to, for example, the auto fl- Friendly Pledge, right? So we can try to reduce our travel or travel differently. Uh, say I only take maximum, I don't know, one or two flights a year, which is still, still enough, I would say. Uh, then travel less by, by car by, and more by public transport. Or, well, let's say instead of a gasoline car, we can try to use an electric car. But then there's many other things, like um, uh, for example, how we eat. That's, I think it's very simple or consumption, right? If you go to the shop, because uh, just think about what you buy or if you really need to buy something and that way you can maybe even save money, right? You, for example, you decide to eat uh, half the meat you used to eat. And, but then and another thing I think is voting, right? Is uh, how you vote uh, in politics and talk to other people. Because I realized that although I'm maybe not always consistent, no one is perfect, but by talking to people, maybe at some, in the beginning they're a bit skeptical, but you can influence them a lot and, and make them think for themselves. And yeah, and then of course, but but as an athlete, we can try to do more things more locally. And I think Corona now teaches us that, that we can actually explore our playground at home a lot, right? there's so many nice local races local interesting mountains projects we can do just starting from our home for example just last weekend we did a long traverse starting from home basically that i had never done and i wondered why <laughs> yeah
0: that that's an important thing like to 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 understand the the backyard and uh, talking about the backyard like w- when you go to the glaciers what 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 looks yeah when you go to to study the glaciers what's uh what's your journey when you do a uh, you go to the glacier. You take samples. How how does it work?
1: Yeah, cool question. Well, we we usually actually camp for quite a few days up there, and it's not so far. It's Otema Glacier. So it's on the border to Italy, and uh, we camp there. Then usually we get up quite early because we want to avoid the thunderstorms in the afternoon. We get up maybe at 6. and then we, for example, what we did, we measured a lot of. Uh, lines with our radar antenna it's an antenna that you carry on the backpack so we basically set up our differential gps a very precise gps system to log our position to like two centimeters precision and we walk back and forth on this glacier surface with the radar antenna in a very precise pattern then on the same day some maybe other students who help us they do a drone flight over the, the glacier surface to have the precise topography and uh, aerial imagery and we also measure like by hand we measure ablation stakes so we measure um, how much the ice melts every day and it's quite impressive you measure every day for example on a normal summer day they melt seven centimeters Uh, the glacier melts down yeah that could be a normal day but then in the evening you spend a lot of time recharging devices cooking uh planning the next day and maybe if i have time i go for a short run uh, up the, the steep slopes there yeah
0: <laughs> that that sounds pretty fun actually <laughs> so uh i i it looks like you are in a good place like just surrounded by nas mountains and just uh, doing like studying uh, the nature that it's it's what we love
1: it's true it's Yeah, it's very beautiful, also because where we work, uh, there's no cell phone network and it's very secluded, like it it could be somewhere in Karakom or or something, but it's not so far from home. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful to be all the time outside in the tent and never in a house. And sometimes it can also be a bit stressful, let's say if a measurement doesn't work uh, or a device, you don't find a software error or something. you need to charge something and there's no more battery and yeah but in general it's really much fun i I agree so it's i think it's the easier part than working uh, at the desk and trying to code up uh, your results
0: (laughs) yeah and these these talks are for athletes and 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 these talks are for athletes to understand uh environmental science and you are the perfect mix you you are an athlete you has been an athlete for long you has been an elite athlete and you, you you do science, so why, as athletes, we should care about science? Why we should think that it's important that we invest and that we read science, that we get up to date and that we care on, on science and on environment, on, on, on a scientific level?
1: Yeah, I would say especially, well, both as a trail athlete, but also as a winter athlete, we are very much influenced by the environment we practice a sport in. And if you don't take care of it, I think in a few years it won't be the same at all. And I see us very much as part of the ecosystem, right? We are not just humans and nature, but we are part of it. And probably also because we think we are the most intelligent beings on the planet. I think we have a certain responsibility to take care of it and yeah i mean we come in our playground where we train we're completely dependent on this playground and if we i think now if things turn really bad with climate change it won't be the same playground anymore and uh yeah i think it's for the love of
0: of what we do i would say uh yeah (laughs) yeah i think that's a that's a very good message is because because we love it we should to take care and and to take care is to understand how it works and that's you. That's the scientists that are, are telling us uh, uh, what's happening and uh, how we can act, uh, all of us. So thank you very much, Pascal, for for enlightening us about uh, glacier science and hope to see you soon on some races.
1: Yeah, thanks to you, Kilian. It was really fun to talk about this with you. <laughs> yeah, hope to see you soon, too.